Well, this morning I'm going to be um, have three parts to my message this morning, if you like. The first part is, um, if I had a title, it would be Ignite the Fire, or Reignite the Fire, if you like, but Ignite the Fire. And it's based on Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3. Return to me and I will return to you. Secondly, I want to take a look at um, some of the things that have happened over the last year, but prophetically, some of the things that I feel the Lord has been saying to me and how they seem to go inside with some, coincide with some of the things that are going on naturally, uh, nationally being said. And then thirdly, I'm going to have a look at an overview of fasting. As we start fasting tomorrow, I thought I should give you a little bit more of an insight to that. Let's pray. Father God, as we've just experienced your presence with us, I want to ask, Lord, that you'll continue with us now. That your word will speak to our hearts. And when we leave here this morning, we're encouraged, we're strengthened and built up. Speak to us, Lord, through your word, whether it's prophetically, whether it's the Rima or the Logos, that it touches our hearts and we're inspired and go on with you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, speaking boldly is no longer an option. It's essential. And that's the missing ingredient today. God is no respecter of persons or status or achievements. But he is a respecter of principles. So what are your principles? Well, Acts 10.34 says, If you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. If you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. And I believe that's what God is setting us out to do at the beginning of this year. To seek him with all our heart. Then, you'll be better equipped to lead people to the fountain of living water once you yourself have drunk deeply from it. You see, the fire of the Spirit is contagious. And I don't know if you've been around those people that are on fire for God, but when they are, you just want to hang around them for longer. There's something that's going on. And that's what I want to see us be in Chase Family Church. Now, being on fire and having the Spirit flowing through us doesn't mean that the church will grow it could shrink but it does mean that you'll now have the power of the spirit resting upon your life and you see churches filled with the spirit do the work of the spirit jesus said in john 14 that whoever believes in me will do the works i have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because i am going to the father You see, if our church doesn't look like a New Testament church, are we sure that we're truly having church? Now, I have to say, going back a few weeks before Christmas, I was really encouraged. I don't know about you, but we had some time of ministry beginning to take shape. The prophetic word was beginning to be spoken again. And it was as if the God was trying to flow through the church again with a freshness. Um, And it was encouraging, wasn't it, seeing people being... Wanting prayer. You are with me this morning, please. Yes. Yeah, now, I, let me just say something. I, 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 I went online to a church I know and I was so encouraged the way the whole church were encouraging the person who was preaching because they were with him. Going, yeah, that's right, I agree. You know, when you're in a conversation with somebody and there's a group of you and they say something, you all go, yeah, I agree. 
Right? It's okay to say that here. It's okay to say, yeah, I like that. Or to go, hmm, ah, maybe, oh, that hurts, you know. It's okay, all right? We are the family of God. Let's be in it together. But I was encouraged, and, and I believe that's uh, the door opening for us once again to see a freshness of his, God's Spirit moving through the church. You know, death is for graveyards, not a church. And the Christian life is to be living and vibrant, not dry and dead. And it begs the question, <clears throat> where are the rivers of living water that Jesus spoke about in John 7:38? When it comes to experiencing a spiritual awakening or revival, it can't be worked up. It must be brought down from heaven. All right? And that's the important thing in Leviticus 9, 23 and 24. The glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and the fire came down and consumed the burnt offering. God brought down the fire, but the responsibility fell on the leaders to keep the fire burning. They were to remove the waste, but not the fuel. The same holds true for you and me. We must remove the, the waste of pride and add the fuel of humility. So what must we do? Add the fuel of humility. We need to ignite our church. Ignite it with prayer meetings. We're about to enter into a, a three-week fast, 21 days. But it's about prayer and dedication to that. We're going to ignite times of worship nights. You know, Pete and I have talked about the desire we have to have worship evenings together. And I'm hoping that very soon we might try some Sunday evenings where we have an open time of worship and praise and let the prophetic words speak. Yeah, all right. Someone like that. Thank you. That's more like it. You know, when I was, uh, decided to do fasting back in the late 90s, I was introduced to it. You know, it forced me to persist in seeking the heart of God. You know, I thought, do I mean this, or is this just another little try and pick me up to get me going? And I knew I meant it. I wanted that boldness of God. And he, God, is truly, as it says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, are you diligently seeking him? Or is it just going to be another new year and a sort of average message from Martin that stirs me up a little bit, but I will see how it works out? Yeah? Come on, we've got to get going, haven't we? All right? And we've got to get excited about it. This is, this is a God of the universe that we know through his precious son, Jesus Christ. And the death and resurrection that he had on the cross saves us and allows us to have that personal ongoing relationship with Jesus. And we should be excited about this. Whether there's five or 500, we should be excited about it. When God chooses to give us a measure of revival, worship, humility and obedience is the fuel that keeps the flame going. Do you hear that? Worship, humility and obedience. Obedience to his word. Humility, being open for his spirit to come to us and giving him worship and adoration for who he is. The beauty of brokenness is that humility crushes pride and ushers in the presence of God. 
You see, Moses spent years on the backside of the desert as God broke and prepared him. And Joshua's humility, no doubt, came from lingering in the presence of the Lord. Isaiah was completely broken when he cried out, Woe is me! I am ruined! My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He was thrust into that position. And Jeremiah collapsed and cried out for humility in the people. My soul will weep in secret for your pride. The Psalms are saturated with brokenness of David. And Jesus' disciples had to be crushed like olives so the anointing oil could flow. Paul had to be knocked to the ground and his eyes blinded by the glory of God before true humility became a mark of his ministry. So, do you sound like a voice crying in the wilderness because you've been touched by God? Or do you sound like a voice whining in the wilderness because you're dying spiritually? Now, if we had more time right now, that would probably be the moment we'd say, let's stop for a moment, let's have a time of ministry here. It's a time where we're dry and we need to experience the presence of God. Now, if you feel like that today, when we come to a time of ministry at the end, then make yourself available. Come and ask me to pray for you. I certainly will, or Ken or Pete, and many, any others. But it could be the person next to you that prays for you. We believe in body ministry, praying for one another. We need each other at this time for what we're going through. We need to be able to be honest. Say, I'm feeling like rubbish. Help me, just pray for me. I don't know really what I'm feeling like. Get someone to pray with you. We provide the sacrifice. He provides the fire. When you lose intimacy with God, you lose boldness and the Spirit's fire. So that's why I particularly focused on this verse from Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3. And it says, Return to him and he will return to you. And isn't that what we want this year? I'm sure, you know, over the years you've probably heard similar sorts of messages about the beginning of the year. Come on, let's get back with God. And it reminds me of James um, 4 verse 8, I think it is, where it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to me. That's what we need, guys. We need to get near to God, draw near to him. He wants to draw near to us. He wants to be close, living in our hearts, that we can experience his presence. The strength of our church is in its purity and its spiritual power, not in its numbers. God doesn't need a majority. He is the majority. Let's get a hold of that. We are not the chief executives running a business. We are the watchmen warning a nation. Prayer can no longer be a footnote at the end of a sermon. Instead, prayer and worship must guide the church in these critical times. We need his word to bring the revelation. We need his spirit to open up our heart. We need to have that opportunity to worship him and praise him. <clears throat> How can you receive a measure of revival in these dire times if there's no desperation? All right, It's probably quite easy today we've just had a quite a long break i don't know about you but it feels like it's been a long break this time because where christmas falls and um 
you can feel a little bit lethargic. And okay, well, we're here at church and let's just go through the motions and we'll have some food later and we'll chill down and then we'll get down to sacrificing on Monday for the fast. Yeah? But you know, let me tell you something, and I've said this many times before, as a Christian, you are never off duty. It's very easy, and I've told many people when they preach, to preach, and then afterwards go, oh, I need to relax, I need to chill. Do you know, that's the time the enemy comes, and he robs you of what was going on. I found this uh, over the years to be the case. <clears throat> you are not ever off duty. And the moment you think you are, is when the enemy comes around and has a little go at the back of you, saying, come on, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And so, even if you're feeling a little flat this morning, all right, you are still a soldier in his army, and we need to be obedient to his word and hear his words and keep going. Well, I suppose in one sense, what I was saying earlier on is that get involved. It's even like when we're, someone's preaching here. I noticed Ken spoke a couple of weeks before Christmas, and, and I kept going, yeah, yeah. I thought, crumbs, I'm the only one in the room that's really getting this. I thought, it's a great message, you know. <clears throat> and I thought, come on, we, we all need to be getting behind this. Next week, Ken's speaking. He's going to be speaking about the pro- prophecy, I think. Is that right? Yeah. So we're going to be speaking about the prophetic. Get here. Tell others who weren't here, come on down. We're having a great time in the presence of God. All right? And when he speaks, give it a big yes and amen. All right? There's nothing more encouraging, is there, Ken? When you're speaking and somebody says, yeah, love it, brother. You know? Come on, let's, let's encourage one another. We'd, we're in this together. See, God can't pour out into our hearts, though, if it's already full of self. And if we're self-willed, or we're self-sufficient, or self-made, you see, self must die. It must die in you before God can really live within you. And the greatest hindrance to revival is within our own heart. And it's time to break up that fallow ground and seek the Lord while he may be found. It says that in Hosea 10, verse 12. And again, although we can't work revival up, God can bring it down. He can bring his presence from heaven. And if we prepare the soil of our heart, and that's what I'm asking us to do, to return to him, that he might return to us, I believe we're going to see great things ahead of us. We provide the sacrifice. He provides the fire. So let's ignite our hearts today and be excited about what Jesus is going to do. The world does not know what it's doing. But Jesus does. All right? That's why you're here. You could be anywhere this morning. You could be at home. You could be watching us online and drinking coffee, but you're here. All right? And those of you online, it's great to see you too. But we're here because we want to be here. We want to be in the presence of God. We want to be with our brothers and sisters and encourage them. Do you want to be encouraged this morning? Well, I hope he is igniting your heart by his spirit this morning, stirring you up. Okay, that's um, enough of that for a minute. I want to, the second part I want to focus on is that this last year, for, well, two years, obviously, with COVID, has been quite traumatic, dramatic, whichever way you look at it. And, you know, there, there is a sadness about it for me because, you know, 
I've seen rather a lot of Christians, whether they believe in vaccines or not, vaccines, getting more upset about that and getting divided. And I'm thinking, this is not what God wants. You know, we, we need unity. The Bible says, where there's unity, the Lord commands a blessing. So I don't mind whether you want a mask or not, in a sense. We've, we've got to keep in unity with God. That's the key thing. But let's be sensitive to one another. That's the, what I'm asking. But, you know, for Liz and I, <coughs> like many of you, it's been a tough time. Uh, both her parents died through COVID. I had a major oper- heart operation and all sorts of things. And some of you I know can equally have such challenging times. And it does challenge your faith. I don't think, if, if somebody said, oh, I, you know, it didn't challenge me, I, I don't think you're really being honest. Because I think we were all being hit by it, going, you know, what are we doing? Are you still there, Lord? <laughs> and we, we know he is, but there are moments where you go, this isn't what I was, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> you know, where's the easy channel? Where do we sign for that, you know? But, you know, we have to remember that we are overcomers. And the trouble with that is that we've got to have something to overcome. It hurts, doesn't it? And that's what we're doing. And over this last year, you know, it's been challenging in the church. You've got people like Bob and Tina who've been in the church for nearly 50 years, um, but they're retiring to the country. And there are other couples that are retiring and moving out. And some have moved church and all sorts of challenges. And as leaders, you tend to think, what are we doing? How, How do you do this? How do you manage through? But then God brings new people to the church, new families. And it's great that we've been seeing that. You know, we've seen people come to know the Lord Jesus through Alpha. And we've had Sam get baptised here earlier on in the year, last year. Um, and, you know, it's been wonderful. But it's challenged me. And I want to say something here that I felt God has been showing me. Firstly, I believe he's been doing this. This is my visual aid for the day. But this is what I believe he's been doing. Alright? Shaking us up. Shaking up his church. Shaking the nation, yes. But shaking the church. And look what happens. Alright, but there are still loads of people inside. Now, that, that challenged me, it got me a little bit concerned. And I began to feel like that God was breaking his church, but that didn't sit with me quite right. And then, some weeks ago, I received a prophetic word from somebody that I want to read part of it to you this morning, if I can. Get the right bit. It's very interesting. There are many things going to share with you, and uh, here we go. But before I do, the, you need to know some are for the present season and some are for the future season. The present season is a time of dismantling for the church. But the foundations will remain. This dismantling is bit by bit and is taking time. Now, I have to tell you, when I heard, read this word, I went, oh, it just sat there. 
you know, the prophetic people say it resonates with them. Well, it really resonated with me. And I had to leave it a couple of days before I responded back to that person to say, thank you, I really believe this is from God. And I shared it with Pete Bernardo earlier on in the week. And he shared with me about Emma Stark on the Prophetic Global Alliance, I think that's what it's called, network anyway. And um, I, I listened to it, and it's virtually the same words that God dismantling his church. And I believe he hasn't finished with us yet. I believe there's dismantling going on. Now, the, 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 thing, the difference between breaking, which is what I was thinking is dismantling, and dismantling is totally different. Ken pointed out to me that uh, after the war, the, um, the Russians dismantled a whole load of factories in eastern Germany and took them back to Russia so they could build them up again. And isn't that interesting? I hadn't got a hold of that. God sometimes dismantles things because he wants to put things back in a different way or build it somewhere else. So I'm not certain what he's saying in this, but I know we are still going through a dismantling process. I believe we have a couple of years, two years, to, to really get this into perspective. Now, let's not lose sight of the fact we've, we've moved from the grammar school, God's moved us from there, and, and we would never have expected that. We were happy there. COVID's come along and shaken us up. All right. There's, there's not many people here today in the room. There's probably more online. Um, but we are managing here in this, in this building. We need more room for the children's work and the youth work. We know that, so we've got things ahead of us. That's why we're going to fast and pray. Do we plant a church? We've talked about it for a long time. Let's fast and pray about that. Do we need a new building? All of those things we lay before the Lord during this time of prayer and fasting. What I believe God is doing is dismantling the church for restructure. And I think we're being shown that at the moment. I think if you were to go two, back, two years back, you might say, well, that sort of thing will never happen. But here we are, actually, these things have happened. And we're trying to move forward. You know, we're used to having 100 adults on a, in a grammar school. There's probably about 40, 30 or 40 of us here this morning, if that. All right. God's shaken some things up. Some are like a, the bricks on the carpet there. Hope you got that on video. That was a good little shake that earlier, I thought. <laughs> All right, so that's what I wanted to say about that fasting. Now, um, <clears throat> just want to give a bit of an overview of fasting, if I may. You know, it, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. The question is, have you ever done that? <laughs> Hunger and thirst is after righteousness. Now, any time you fast, it's like a hunger strike against, against hell. I love that. I don't know where I came up with that phrase, but I love that phrase. Your hunger strike says hell no more. Yeah? Great. But what is fasting? Well, okay, let's clarify what it's not. It's not merely going without food for a period of time. That's dieting or starving. That's up to you, all right? Nor is it something done by fanatics or, um, you know, religious order of people or for special occasions. Put simply, fasting is refraining from food for spiritual purposes. And it should be a normal part of our relationship with God. 
The Bible does not say if you fast, it says when you fast. All right, and that's most important. When this revelation was given to me some years ago, I was like, oh, it should be a normal way of Christian life. Those of you who know of a man called Derek Prince and his wife Ruth, they used to fast one day every week. And there have been times where I've gone through seasons and done that. My advice is make sure you tell your wife, husband, because there's nothing worse than getting home in the evening and she's cooked your meal and you say, oh, I'm fasting. It doesn't go down very well. All right. But I, I want to encourage you today that fasting is such a precious thing. Liz and I have seen breakthroughs financially. We've seen it with health. We've seen it with some friends who've gone through difficulties and we've stood with them. I sometimes, for some of you here, I will have said to you, you know, if you're going through a difficult time, why don't you fast? And if you, when you've said yes, I said, well, I'll join you. Because I think there's power when people join together in a fast. And, you know, we'll fast together over a certain situation that's going on in your life. And that's what the body of Christ is here to do, is to pray for one another. In Matthew 6, 1 to 18, there are three duties as a Christian. There's giving, praying and fasting. <clears throat> Some of you know this, but when I came out of my operation, came round in the ICU unit, um, there was two nurses, a male nurse here and a female nurse there, and I come round and this man, nurse, he says, said to the other lady, he said, so where does it say about fasting? And I said, Matthew 6. And he looked down. I just, I just come out, you know. And uh, we had a great conversation. I was able to share with him about Natasha's testimony of how she came to know the Lord through fasting. And I, you know, just gave him the gospel. But, you know, that was quite an amazing situation. But it says there are three duties, giving, praying and fasting. And I want to say about giving, you know, I... We haven't actually spoke on tithing for a long time, but actually I believe in tithing. You know, God gives us the money and uh, we're only giving back to him what he's given to us, in essence. And, and he's, he loves us so much. And it's, it was quite a revelation for Liz and I when we first started to tithe, uh, because we'd not really tithed before. You'd saved a bit of money and gave a bit when you felt you should. Right? But there wasn't a, a dedication to make it first in our lives. And when we did, suddenly you're giving part of your salary to God. The tithe is like a, wow, it's a whopping load. That's why I encourage young people to do it young. Uh, when you're young. Young to do it when they're younger. Because it's easier to get going and build it up. And it becomes a way of life to seek God first. To give him the first fruits of your labour. And, you know, we've been challenged, Liz and I, over that whole issue of tithing. And there are promises there that God will look after you when you give the commitment to him. And you can go down the whole, you know, um, New Testament, New Promise, Old Law and all sorts of things. But you can't run away from it. It's in your heart. It's what's in your heart. And if you want to give to God, you give to God. You know, tithing is one thing, but offerings are things over that. Liz and I, I'm going to share this one testimony, I've shared it before I think, but uh, we were, I don't know if you've ever been in this position, but you're thinking, Lord, we don't seem to be able to hear you. Does anybody identify with that? You're praying, and well, we were praying and saying, Lord, we can't hear you, we don't understand, you know. Um, and then, um, 
a friend of ours, Norman Barnes, he was in America. And um, he was on a mission over there. I'll come back to that in a minute. Let me just say that Liz and I were compelled to give a load of money to this organisation. And we didn't really have a load of money. We just felt we should give it to him, to this organisation. And um, we did that and didn't think anything more of it. And then six months later or thereabouts, this man Norman came to visit us and he said, you didn't think you were hearing from God. He's from East London, this guy. So he looked, looked straight. You didn't think you were hearing from God, did you? Either of you? And we went, uh, no. He said, but that money you gave, he said, let me tell you what happened. I was in America. I'd just spoken in front of five or six hundred people and I only got given the equivalent to five or six pounds, you know, as a gift. And he said, we needed to raise X amount of money. And he said, I got back to my hotel, I flung myself on the bed, and I said, Lord, make Martin and Liz pay this amount of money. <laughs> All right? And he comes back from the state, he goes through the door, and his secretary says, you'll never guess what. And he says, Martin and Liz paid this amount of money. And he went, she went, yeah, how do you know that? All right? And we, it, look, forget the money. Do you understand what God was doing? We said, we can't hear you. But we had to wait for six months before he showed us we were hearing him. Now I hope that encourages some of you today. You can't outgive God. You never can. He's always there doing that. The same can be said of prayer. Prayer is such a precious thing. I, as many of you know, I'm an early bird. I get up at unearthly hours at half five and, and I have some time with the Lord. Why? Because my house is quiet. All right? And I'm an, an early bird. Some of you will be night people. You like to pray late, late at night. That's fine. Some of you will just be people that pray to God all the way through the day. We should do that anyway. But you know, I was very sad recently. I spoke to somebody who's a Christian, a mature Christian, and he admitted that he prays perhaps once or twice a month, and it's usually out of desperation. All right? And unfortunately, I have to say that over the years, I've come across quite a few people like that. There's a facade to what's going on. But there's no relationship with God. It's a, it's a time of hobby. Pick it up when you need it. That's not a living relationship with Jesus Christ, is it? And prayer is the way we get to talk to him. Tell him your desires. Tell him your problems, your issues. And maybe you're not going to get the answer today, but you will get the answer eventually. You will get it. Which brings me on to fasting. Uh, so much I could say about fasting. Let me say, um, two great books, as you know. I think of Jensen Franklin, Fasting, a great book to have. And there's one by Mahash Chavda, Prayer and Fasting. Uh, uh, Derek Prince, yes, that's right, another good. There's some great books on fasting and prayer. Um, Mahash Chavda does, used to do a lot of 40-day fasts. And there's a great testimony, I was telling Emma this morning, of when he came out of a 40-day fast, he went, walked into this room, just walked into this room, and this, God, this girl got delivered. <laughs> the power of God. When Jesus came out of the desert for 40, after 40 days, he came out in what? In the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, amen. To God be the glory. Absolutely. So when we fast, it's not just about breaking the strongholds and doing those things which, yes, we want to see personally and corporately, but it's also coming out in the power of his spirit. 
Now there's a sacrifice, isn't there? You know, in uh, Matthew 17, it talks about the father who come down from, uh, when Jesus came down from the figure of trans, uh, transfiguration. The, um, there was this father and a son, and the disciples had prayed for the boy, but he didn't get free. And Jesus prays for him, and he gets delivered. And the disciples ask Jesus and say, well, why couldn't we do it? And he says, because this kind will only go out with fasting and prayer. And I have seen over the years, sometimes when people have difficulties, blockages in their life, I use blockages as a word, but you understand what I'm saying. There can be things that are going on that become a problem or an obstacle. Maybe those, these are the times where we need to fast. If you're married, then be in agreement with it. If you're in a relationship, if you're not, then get with another Christian brother or sister and be in agreement and start praying into it. And maybe it's time to fast to see that situation broken. We've, um, Liz and I have prayed for some members of my family um, over issues. We fasted over one particular thing and we weren't sure whether it... Um, needed that level of prayer or not until once we did it <laughs> it started to flare up and we realised oh my goodness there's something demonic going on um, but we actually um, prayed through it and we saw God you know, touch some members of my family at that time and I just want to encourage you that there are things that are going on that sometimes we just don't know about but when you get closer to God it's like a revelation that comes isn't it and you go, oh, this is the Lord, right, okay, what are we going to do? Seek some counsel, there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus delivered that boy. And he went into the desert for 40 days. If Jesus could accomplish all he came to do without fasting, why would he fast? All right, the Son of God fasted because he knew there were supernatural times that could only be released that way. So how much more should fasting be a common practice in our lives? Come on, that's the reality of it, isn't it? We do a bit of it here and there. Oh, you know, I've got such a busy week. I think that's what Jesus said, you know, I've got a busy week, I don't, can't do fasting for these next 40 days, I've got to need a holiday need a break. I'm I'm not aware that Jesus ever had a holiday, but then that's another topic. But there we go. Here we are in that situation. Things going on around us, and it's the fast that breaks through. Fasting is for everyone. Um, There are three types of fast. It's an absolute fast, which I don't recommend, unless God has really told you to do it. Um, And that's with no water or food. But make sure you have had a medical um, time with a doctor of consultation, that's what I'm trying to say, or under some supervision, if if God has really told you to do that. Um, And likewise, a normal fast, which again is just water and plenty of it. Um, Some people have clear broth and juices and things like that to maintain their strength. But um, again, I would recommend you have some supervision for that. But what we're talking about is the partial fast. This is the Daniel fast. This is where we have no sweets or um, 
It's good coming off of Christmas, isn't it? <laughs> um, choice meats and sweets and things that we, we see Daniel and his companions are refusing to take the choice meats from the king's table. They only had vegetables and water, and they did that for 10 days. And then Daniel did a partial fast on his own for 21 days with no sweets, no meat, and no wine, and those sort of things. There are significant times in the Bible of fast. There's three-day, seven-day fast, 21, 40-day, half-day fast, and 24-hour fast. But let me tell you, if it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God. Do you get that? All right. If, it's, if you're going to just do it and it becomes a, a legalistic thing, then it's nothing. But if you're doing it because you want to get closer to God, you want to see a breakthrough in someone's life, he reads that, he sees that. It doesn't become a religious act. It becomes a heartfelt desire to see breakthrough. So if it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God. And I want you to realise today something very important. Fasting is continual prayer before God. Fasting is continual prayer before God. I gave this... uh, There is some teaching on the website on fasting. Actually, there is some teaching on uh, tithing as well, if you want to go um, to that. But last time I spoke about it, I think I shared about this man called Dr. Tanner in the States. When he was was 50, he did a 40-day fast and a strict supervision, and at the conclusion, he was much healthier for it. And at 60, he did a 50-day fast. And in the middle of it, he saw unspeakable glories. I'm not sure what that was, but of God. And at 70, he did a 53-day fast. And all sorts of things happened. His hair went back to being a youthful black. How about that? It's just amazing, isn't it? And then uh, he, he lived to 93. You see, the medical profession recognises it slows the ageing process. Moses fasted twice for 40, 240-day fast. It tells about that in Deuteronomy. And it says, When he died, his eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigour diminished. That's the way we want to go, isn't it? Yeah, in the saddle, doing it. <laughs> Great. <clears throat> yes, a lot more I can say about this, but you know, Maybe I need to cut to the chase. Fasting is what prepares you for a new anointing too. So much could be said about that. In Matthew 6, it talks about doing these things, giving and praying and fasting in secret. Then the Lord will openly reward you. So although I know this is a corporate prayer that we're doing as a church, there is an element of it that's private and you know that. It's between you and God. And when you... Do that particular bit in private. Watch how God openly rewards you. He will do it. That's his promise in his word. But I want to say that, you know, it's an opportunity to see fasting move in different areas. Fasting will break poverty from your life. Health and healing will follow fasting. Fasting will also overcome sexual addictions and demonic powers. We've seen this. We've prayed for people who've been in these situations, but when they fast to break through, um, God does amazing things. And there's so much more that I could be saying about that, but I think I'd better stop at this time. So, 
Tomorrow uh, we start, we're going to do online this week. Let me just say that will be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And on Friday, Elim is doing their national um, day of prayer and they're holding it at various venues around the country. And the one in London is going to be at Kensington Temple on Friday evening at 7.30. I think I'm going to go for 7. So I will be sending some details out about it because we won't be online doing the Zoom call on Friday. I'll encourage you to watch and join in with the service at Kensington Temple. If a camera happens to look at me and I wave, I'm waving to you, all right? Because I just want to go there and be part of it. You're welcome to go. If you go online to Kensington Temple, you'll see what they're doing. But uh, we have an opportunity this week to get into prayer. Come and join us online. And uh, uh, we've got lots to be praying about. Uh, We're not focusing in on the missionaries at this particular session, although that's not to say we might not contact one or two and uh, see if we can uh, talk to them online. Um, And then we will review things at the end of the week because we'd like to um, have some actual meetings in person. But because of Christmas, we had to consider... We weren't sure what the government were going to do and uh, we're still not particularly sure what's going to do, but it does look like uh, we can continue at the moment. So that's what we're working towards. Okay. Guys, would you like to come up and uh, prepare us for our hearts for worship? There's been a lot said there this morning and if there's one thing I would really want to encourage to leave with you is to ignite the fire in your heart. Ignite the fire. And when whoever comes to speak and, to, and lead us and bring a message, let's encourage them. What I love about um, being at KLM Ministries, if any of you have ever been along there, when they have a visiting speaker, before they start, they stand up, they stand up and applaud them. And then they applaud them at the end. And I, I, I think that's a wonderful way. I'm not asking you to do that this morning. But I'm just saying, it's just a lovely way of expressing... Um, that we're in it together. And uh, so there we go. Lord Jesus, let's stand. Father, we recognise that we have gone through so much in 2020, 2021, and now we are into 2022. And Lord, we want our hearts to be right today. Ignite the fire in our hearts today, Lord Jesus. Come on, stir us up, Lord. Cause us to reach out to you in a new and a fresh way today. Lord, we love you. We don't want to enter into this year just like any other year. We want this to be the Jubilee year, the year of breakthrough for our families, for our friends, for our health, for our finances, for our jobs, for our careers. Lord, we submit everything to you. We reject self. And we humbly walk before you this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Just invite the Holy Spirit to come now. Come on, guys. You, you stir up the gift within you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Minister to us this morning. Come on, stir up the gift within you. Come on, speak it out. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Two thoughts come to my mind, and I one is that I feel there's someone here who's struggling with doubt. 
And if that's you, then get someone to pray with you before you leave today. But secondly, this may be for several people, but there's people here today who've been asking God about something, but just not getting an answer. It seems like there's continual blockage. And I want to encourage you. God knows. He does hear your prayers. It's not that he's not answered them. But there are things that he wants you to deal with. So talk to him afresh today. If you want someone to pray with you, then we'll be delighted to do that.